name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. A group of men are at the gym working out, and a cell phone rings, and one of the men picks it up and answers. He says, yes, hon, is that you? I can hardly hear you, says a lady on the other end. Hello, are you at the gym? She asks, yes. And then she continues, and I'm going to go back and forth. Uh, I'm in front of the fur shop, and they have this beautiful mink coat. Can I buy it, please? Well, how much is it? About $5,000. Okay, but buy a matching purse. It goes with it too, my love. What also turns out that I stopped by the car dealership today and they have a brand new BMW. It's the last one. Can I buy it? Well, how much is it on sale for? Only $60,000. Fine, buy it. But if you have to get it, get it with all the accessories. And if it costs a little more, I won't be mad. Now, the woman, she's realizing that uh, this is her dream come true. And so she decides to ask for one more thing. She says, honey, remember I told you that my mother wanted to come and live with us for a while? Would it be okay if I invite her to come to stay over a month and just try it out? And after a month, we can talk about it again? Okay, fine. But don't ask me for anything else, okay? Yes, yes. I love you so much, baby. I love you too. Bye. As soon as the man hangs up, he turns to the group of men. He says, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? (laughs) Well, this morning we want to talk about generosity, all right? But we want to talk about being generous with the resources that are ours, not the resources that belong to someone else. Now, if you happen to be a guest this morning and you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we're, we're doing a series of talks on uh, growing our character. We're going to carry this through uh, the first part of December anyway. And we've said that our character, growing our character is indispensable, It is something that we who follow Jesus should want to do. We want to be like him. It's the goal in our lives to be like our king. And so we're talking about how do we become more like him. You'll remember the very first Sunday that we we started this, we said two things about character growth. One is that we are not growing our character so that God would love us anymore. God doesn't love us more because we're successful or not so successful in being like him. The Bible says that he loves us uh, because he is love. We want to grow our character to be like his because, and to be honest with you, that's where flourishing comes in our life. If you want to flourish in this life, be like Jesus because following him, obeying him leads to the flourishing of our hearts. And so that's the reason why we're doing this. And the other thing we said is that character growing is a lifelong endeavor. It's not something that we're not growing. What grows overnight? You know, uh, grass. We're not growing grass here, which you can almost hear it grow in the summertime, right? Uh, Or see it grow. So we're not growing grass. We're we're growing oak trees, if you would. We're growing sequoias out uh, out in California. It takes a lifetime to grow them. It takes a lifetime for us to grow our character to be like that of the Lord Jesus. In the first week, we talked about the superpower of love, and I challenged us to do love. Jamie shared a do love story. Let me share one from Ann in my life. We were coming back from Roanoke this week and getting on the interstate, and as we were getting on, there was a guy walking with a gas can. I said, honey, pull over. So we pulled over, and we did love. We picked him up to carry him to his car, which was four miles away. 
Uh, we got to four miles and five miles and still no car. Then we realized that his car was the other way on the interstate. So we had to turn around. And I guess we could have left him and said, get out. But no, we went around the other way, went back about 10 miles that way to come back around this way to get to his car. But I tell you that story because I want to tell you what he said to us. He said, I knew you guys, and, and this is a paraphrase, I knew you guys were Christians because people just don't do this. So you know what, folks, listen, we, if we do love, we're going to point people to Jesus because people just don't always do love, right? So I uh, really want to, it's like, it's like the story Jamie told, that guy was so astounded because people just don't do that. So let's do love. Now, let's point people to Jesus as we do love. And the second week we talked about our integrity and, uh, and I suggested that we took a verse from the Proverbs where it says integrity is like a kiss on the lips. And, and I said, maybe it's a kiss on the lips because it's rare, it's valuable and it's satisfying. And I challenged us to grow our integrity and I wonder if you grew your integrity any this week. I asked that this morning in our prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to grow my integrity. I was visiting with, with Beverly Davin, and she asked me about this video she wanted me to watch on YouTube. And my first response was, I had, in my, this happens in milliseconds, I thought, hey, I've looked it up, but I can't remember the name, and I've thought about it several times. That has to count as watching it. And I said, yes. And then immediately I said, Beverly, I'm trying to grow my integrity. No, I looked for it, but I haven't actually watched. Beverly, I've watched it, by the way. I left your house and I watched it, all right? So, um, so I had a chance to grow my integrity where, where I dropped the ball, but instantly put, picked it back up and said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to grow my integrity. I wonder if you grew your integrity this week, trying to be honest and, 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 and not sincere, it's not the word I want to use, and whole. Remember that? Being whole not being somehow uh, something different than you really are. So this morning, however, we want to we talk about generosity. That's going to be the, the character quality that I want you to, to grow in, that God wants us to grow in, and that I'm challenging us with this morning. And I want to begin with a definition of generosity, and I'm going to do it with, a, with an, urban, uh, an urban dictionary right off the internet. And here is a definition of generosity. Generosity is a quality that's a lot like unselfishness, someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, or kindness to people in need. Here's another, here's another internet definition of generosity. Generosity is giving good things, giving freely, and giving abundantly. Now, honestly, everyone, those could be biblical definitions in my book anyway. They could, they could be biblical definitions of what generosity is. But what I'd like to do this morning for just a few minutes with you is I'd like to flesh out generosity with those two definitions kind of, you know, overarching all that we're going to be saying. I'd like to flesh out generosity by going through the scripture and just looking at what it says about generous people. And, and I have several things that I want to share with you that it, when we're finished this morning, hopefully we'll have a comprehensive view of the character, quality of generosity, uh, what it looks like, what it does, and, and what it results in, in our lives when we practice and grow in generosity. Everybody understand what we're going to do? Okay. With that overarching definition, I'm just going to flesh out generosity by looking at what the Bible says. So let's begin. Here's number one. Generous people give out of love whether they have much or whether they have little. In other words, it's not what we have that makes us generous. It's our heart and what we do with what we have, whether it's little or whether it's lot. And the best story for this, I'm sure you, you Bible folks who have been raised on the Word of God your entire lives, you'll know the story, but it's from Luke 21. 
And in this particular story, Jesus and his disciples are in the temple and they're watching people give. And evidently there were these, I understand there was these three canisters made out of metal, brass probably, that sat in the, in the temple. And people would just bring, kind of like we do here, we don't take up an offering, there's a box on the back wall, you can give there if you, if you desire, people could do that. They could go to the temple and give their offerings. And rich people, when they brought lots of coinage, would, would take their coins and make sure that they were just clanging all over the place as they dropped them into those canisters. Well, Jesus and his disciples are watching these people do that. And uh, let me just read for you, beginning with verse 1. Jesus looked up and saw the rich dropping their offerings in the temple treasury, and he also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins, the smallest coin available. Truly I tell you, he said to his disciples, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on. So you see, generosity isn't about what we have, it's about what we do with what we have. And, and so my challenge in our character is for us to do more with what we have. Whether you are here this morning and you happen to be someone with much, or whether you're someone here who maybe doesn't have so much, what do you do with it? And stories of people's generosity, taking what little they have and using it, really just, it grips our heart. I remember, uh, I've, I heard this story years and years and years ago, and it was about a missionary who uh, was in this tiny African village, and uh, she's taught students, and on this particular Christmas Eve, one of her students brings her this crudely wrapped up present on Christmas Eve, and of course she's surprised by it, and she opens it up, and it's an exquisite seashell. And uh, she loves it, and, and, but she knows that the village isn't anywhere near the sea. And she said to, to the young boy, she said, you must have traveled so far for this, to get me this, this shell. And, uh, and he smiled and he said to her, he said, well, the long walk is part of the gift. You see, so it, it's not that we give a lot, it's what we do with what we have that constitutes generosity. Number two, generous people, these are going to go by quick, okay? Generous people give more than just money. I mean, I just gave you a story about a young boy giving a seashell, right? But generosity is more than just about giving money. So uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, there's another very familiar story. In fact, all the stories I'm going to share with you are very, very familiar, I think. But in this particular uh, story, there is a Jewish fellow who's beat up by robbers and left for dead. And in the story, some of his compatriots go by him, and they're actually religious people, but they don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be uh, rendered unclean by touching him. They passed by him. And then a different ethnic guy comes by, somebody who really, these two ethnic groups didn't get along, but that guy stops and he takes care of him. And Jesus, using this story, says of that guy, he went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine, and he put him on his own animal and brought him to the inn, took care of him. And then the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. I love that guy. I love that guy, not because he took his money and he just paid the innkeeper, but if you notice, he's taking care of the broken man at first with his own hands, with his own abilities. He is, he is taking care. He's showing generosity uh, to that guy. So generosity isn't, isn't just about 
our financial resources or resources of that nature. Generosity is about us giving of ourselves and involving ourselves. There is a corollary between generosity and hospitality in the Scripture. They're, they're, they're very well linked together because generosity is more than us just giving money. I think in our culture, us older people, when we think about generosity, our tendency is to think about being generous with our financial resources. You know, they say of the young millennial group coming along now that they are much more hands-on. And much more than giving money, they want to be in there doing things with their hands and feet. And so volunteerism and, and using your time and your talents to help things and help people that you're passionate about Man, that, that is being generous. And so, hey, there's all kinds of ways for you to jump in, hands-on, and use your, your time, your skills, the things that God has given you in a generous way. Number three, generous people see their resources as a means to help others. They, they actually understand that God has given them resources for the express purpose of helping others. So in the Old Testament, listen to what God told Israel. In Deuteronomy 15, 7, he said, If there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of the city's gates in the land uh, the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever need he has. And then we get to the New Testament, and God repeats the same thing amongst us, the body of Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, I don't think you read quite this far, uh, Dickie, but he says, our desire, this is verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality at the present time. Your plenty will supply, now listen to this, this is so, if we could just get this. He says, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Generous people see their provisions, their resources, as a means to take care of others. And so they're actually looking for places for, for where they can invest their generosity, where they can invest their surplus, their, their extra. Let's face it, a component to generosity is selflessness. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. You remember this? We, we are to prefer others as more important than ourselves, not just looking out for our own needs, but for the needs of others. Survey after survey, listen, because I'm going to come back to this several times this morning in this talk. But survey after survey after survey shows that the richer we become, the less generous we become. The more money we have, the less we're willing to share with others. So if you go down the poverty line, people give greater percentages of their resources. They give greater percentages of their entire resources to help others. The richer we become, the less we give percentage-wise. And I don't know exactly what the numbers are. I should have looked it up. But I know that, you know, some of the richest people in, in our culture give only 2%, I think it is, of, of their income uh, in generosity towards others. Maybe, and this is just my thought, I don't know for sure, but maybe it's because when we're poor, we, we, we're more attuned to the needs of others than when we're richer. 
You know, when, when, when the money has come in, we've had everything we've ever needed. We're more attuned to, we're less attuned to the needs of others because we don't have any needs. And we kind of we think, well, nobody else has any needs either. Maybe that's why we give less as we become, uh, become richer. I mean, uh, this is a great quote. As I practiced this morning, went over this, I, I'm not sure it fits, but I want to share with the quote with you anyways. Khalil Gibran, who was a Lebanese-American poet and writer, but I, I love this quote. I, I'm not sure it fits, but here's what he said. Generosity is not giving me that which I need more than you do, but it is giving me that which you need more than I do. In other words, he's saying generosity, again, that's kind of not giving out of your surplus, but, but giving out of your actual, actual need. Generous people see their resources. And I guess Gabil's point is that they see their resources even when it's meager and maybe doesn't even apply, doesn't even sustain them, that they're willing to share those resources, you know, with others. Number four, or let me restate that. Generous people are always looking to meet the needs, actively looking for meeting needs. Number four, generous people see themselves as part of God's bigger plan of kingdom building. Now, I want you to understand this point. Generous people, especially those of us who follow Jesus, when we're growing in our generosity, we understand that God is using our generosity together for his kingdom. In other words, it's not just, you know, I am, I am responsible, Ann and I are responsible for our generosity, for, for how we, are, we steward that which God has made us uh, responsible for. But generous people see themselves as, as a part of what God's doing to build his bigger kingdom. So in Exodus 36, verses 1 through 7, this is a neat story. They're building the, the uh, tabernacle, and they're asking people to donate. And if you remember the story, the artisans who were actually constructing the tabernacle go to Moses and, says, and say, hey, listen, we've got too much stuff. We need you to tell everybody to not donate anymore because we, we don't need anymore. So Moses gave the order that sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. Now listen, one person didn't do that. It was all of them together were generous and together they met that great need. It's, it's, not, it's not often that our giving to help needs, you know, actually we have to say, stop, stop, stop. You've given too much. That doesn't happen all that much. But here's the point. If we all saw ourselves as part of God's kingdom effort to accomplish his will and his work in the world, then I think we'd always have to be saying, stop, stop, stop. We have too much. Not all of us, one of us giving too much, but all of us together uh, giving, giving more than we need. Here's my point. Together in generosity, we can accomplish so much more. And as, as we're all generous and as we're all growing in generosity, there is no end to how God can use us to change, to change the world. Number five, generous people give because they have been recipients of God's goodness. Now the story here is again a familiar story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a fellow who was a tax collector. And uh, you'll remember, if you remember the story, he cheated people, he robbed people, he used his tax collecting job to raise more money than he was entitled to raise. But when he meets Jesus, 
Jesus changes him, and when, when they're finished with their meal, they just had lunch together, when they're finished with the meal, Zacchaeus says, I'm giving half of what I've got away, and if I've defrauded people, if I've stolen from them, I'm going to return fourfold to everybody that I robbed. Here's the point. So listen, Jesus changes us from being collectors of money to being givers of money. You see, Jesus is the one that makes us generous. He's the one that changes us. One of the most rewarding parts of being a pastor, and there are some rewarding parts of being a pastor, but one of the, one of the rewarding parts is watching people change. Now, you know, a lot of times the, the change is slow, you know, but when you see people change, you know, I won't, I won't tell you the nature, I won't tell you the nature of the prayer, but last night I saw Chuck, and, and uh, normally, you know, I, I will close in prayer. I had decided not even to pray um, when I left Chris and Chuck last night. I just told them that I loved you, and before I left, Chuck said, hey, can I pray? I mean, can we pray? And I said, sure. So I took his hand like I was going to pray, and he said, can I pray? And he prayed. And Chuck prayed a prayer of just the transformation that God has done in his heart. See, God transforms us from being hoarders and, and selfish people. He, he is seeking to transform us into these, these different people who are filled with generosity. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. Here's a story. Oswald Golter was a missionary in northern China in the 1940s. He'd been there for 10 years. He's coming home for, for I guess, a, a stay or whatever, but he goes through India, and he has to stay in India. When he gets off the ship in India, he finds that there's a group of refugees living in a warehouse at the pier, and uh, unwanted by anyone, refugees stranded there. Nobody's caring about them. Golter goes to visit them. It's Christmas time. He wishes them a Merry Christmas, and he says, what would you guys like for Christmas? And these Indians said, well, we're not Christians. We don't believe in Christmas. And he said, I know. He said, but what do you want for Christmas? And they said, well, there's these really cool pastries down the road at this pastry shop. And so Oswald Galter went and took his money and bought as many baskets of German pastries as he could and took them to, him, to them, and he wished them a Merry Christmas. Sometime later, he's in a class, and he's teaching this class. Now listen carefully. He's teaching this class, and he tells the story. And someone raises their hand, and they say, but sir, but sir, why did you do that for them? They weren't Christians. They don't even believe in Jesus. Now listen to his answer. He says, I know, but I do. I do. You see, you see it's Jesus changes me. Jesus is working in me. Jesus, see, we're talking about growing our, our, our character because Jesus wants to grow our character to be generous like him. Number six, generous people give because they know that in their generosity, they're actually giving to God. Proverbs 19, 17, anyone who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. God will reward them for what they have done. When we show generosity to others, we are actually, it's as if we're showing generosity towards God. In the New Testament, Jesus tells this parable about the final judgment, and he talks about the sheep and the goats. You'll maybe remember that. But in the parable, this is, he's talking about a king. Listen, listen to what the king says. This is Matthew 25, verse 34. 
And then the king will speak to those on his right, and he'll say, my father has blessed you. Come and take what is yours. It is the kingdom prepared for you since the world was created. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you came to care for me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the people who uh, then, the, then the people who have done that, what is right, will answer him, Lord, they will ask, when did we see you hungry and feed you or see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or see you needing clothes and we gave them to you? When did we see you sick or in prison and we went to visit you? And the king will reply, what I'm about to tell you is true. Anything you did for the least important of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So, you know, when we do things for others, the Old Testament and the New Testament says in generosity, we are being generous to God. Generosity to others is being generous to the Lord. Number seven, generous people give willingly, cheerfully, not because they are compelled. Not because God has got your arm like this and he's just bending it saying, give or I'm going to break your arm. It's not like that at all. In fact, God doesn't want you to give if that's your heart. God desires for us to give because we desire to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. The point is this, Paul writes, the person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will reap generously. Each person, person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a person who gives because they want to give. They're generous because they They've been changed by Jesus and they want to be generous, not because they feel like their arm is being twisted to do so. Generous people don't give out of guilt as their motivation. I don't know about you, but at times, Ann and I have struggled with this guilt motivation for giving. You know, we should give. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not guilt that should motivate us. It is the joy of giving. And we don't give for the praise of men. We don't give so other people will say, oh, look at Jimmy. He's such a generous person. We don't give so other people might somehow place accolades on us. Here's Matthew. This is Jesus in Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Let me change one word in that. Be careful not to practice your generosity in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Man, doesn't that sound just so strange to us? Some guy that's blowing a trumpet out there as he gives so everybody will see what he's giving. I mean, we usually have a little bit more modesty than that. But let's, be, let's face it, there are times we want people to know we're giving so that people will say, oh, look at that person, right? Jesus says, you know, it doesn't have to be a trumpet. He says, truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, Jesus isn't putting us under some sort of bondage that says, hey, I can never give so that you know. That's not what he's saying. He's simply saying, don't give, give because it's in your heart to give, give cheerfully, give without compelling reasons. Don't give to show off. Just give because it's in your heart to give. Number eight, 
One of the reasons we don't have to show off is number eight. Generous people know that God rewards generosity. Proverbs 22.9, a generous person will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. In Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, God says, one person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. That's in the proverb. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 25. These verses say that generosity here and now is rewarded here and now with God's provision. But, but my point is that I believe the scripture teaches, and I believe it's true, that God rewards and blesses our generosity here and now. Not just in the life to come, but here and now. But having said that, the Bible is clear, clear that God rewards our generosity today in the life to come. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth, moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal, and where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then there's an elaboration on this by Paul in Timothy, in his letter to Timothy, and this is what he says, Instruct those who are rich in the present age, and that would be all of us in this room, by the way. And I mean, I know most of us are richer than, than, than others and that kind of thing. I know we're not on the same level when it comes to material resources, but we're all rich in this room. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good in being rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Now listen, storing up treasure for yourselves or themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Paul says, you know the, the thing about saving treasures up that Jesus was talking about? He's basically saying that, hey, store up treasures using your riches for the life to come. It's a foundation for the coming age. And when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, our generosity today has, has a part to play both now and in the age to come, both places. Often we think, man, I can't be generous because what about my children? I have to leave for my children. I have to save up so I can leave a posterity for my children. Now, please don't misunderstand. The Bible commands us to save money. Saving is not, I mean, if we're going to follow Jesus, we are to be savers. I mean, they're, they're, we need to be looking out for tomorrow, God says. Having said that, though, we should never use saving to the exclusion of generosity, we save so that we can be generous. We save so that we can leave something for our children. But we don't say our children are a reason to not be generous because I have to leave something to generous to others because I have to leave something for my family. In Psalm 37, and I realize this is Old Testament poetic language, but God says that the righteous man is always generous, always lending. Now listen, he says, and his children are a blessing and his children are not begging bread. You be generous, and your children will not be begging bread. Number nine, generous people know that God pours blessing onto the generous so that they can bless even more people. This is sort of like a corollary truth to what I've already mentioned. But God gives to the generous because he recognizes that in our generosity, I'm going to be a conduit to others. 
You know, the prosperity preachers out there, the prosperity false teachers are talking about giving so that you can get more and you can have bigger cars and more homes and more airplanes and all of those things. I'm telling you, that's, that's just a lie. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be so harsh, but I'm telling you, prosperity theology is, is evil. It's wrong. It's contrary to the Word of God. However, the Word of God says this, be generous so that God will pour generosity on you so that, so that you might increase your giving towards others, so that you might be a conduit towards others. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 15. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Paul says, listen, your generosity is, is it's like the, the sower is going to give you more seed the more seed you put out there, he's going to give you more seed. Not so that you can have the plushest of life, but so that you can be a, a conduit of God's grace and goodness to others, so that thanksgiving, thanksgiving would just be erupting everywhere towards the goodness of God. R.G. Letourneau, for those of you who know Doug really well, you will know that R.G. Letourneau is one of Doug's heroes I think probably after his father, R.G. Letourneau would be his greatest hero. What you may not know or may not remember is that R.G. Letourneau was a Christian industrialist who dedicated his life to being a quote, I quote, being a businessman for God. And he was highly, highly successful at that Designing and developing earth-moving equipment, Letourneau was the maker of over 300 inventions. He holds patents, more patents than we could probably enumerate uh, over his whole lifetime. He was successful, successfully or successful financially. And listen to this, R.G. Letourneau, by the end of his life, was giving 90% of his income away. 90% of his income away to the Lord's work. And I'm, I'm telling you about R.J. Letourneau, not just to tell you that fact, but to give you a quote from R.J. And this is what R.J. said. I shovel out money and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. R.J. Letourneau was committed to just giving money to help people. And God's shovel was bigger, giving it back to him so that he could give more of it away. You may be thinking, well, if I was a millionaire like R.G. Letourneau, I would give 90% to. I, I, hate to. I hate to differ with you. Statistically, that's not true. Statistically, if you were a millionaire, you'd only give 2% of your income away. Not 90%, only 2% of your income to help others. You see, having more money, let's go back to point number one. Generous people recognize it has absolutely nothing with how much you have or how much you don't have. It has to do with your heart of trusting God that he'll meet your needs like we already talked about. You see, I'm fleshing out generosity for you. I hope you're getting this big picture. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. And by the way, R.G. Letourneau wasn't, wasn't always wealthy. In Luke, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you in, in return. If you are generous, God's going to give to you that you in turn might give more. Number 10 and, and final one. 
Generous people, and there could be many more. I'm telling you, the Bible says so much about generosity, so much. Generous people know that God is generous, and they are generous because he is generous. You might say, well, this is a corollary truth to God changes us so that we become generous, and, and you are right. But generous people recognize that God is generous. Dickie said this as he read scripture and prayed for us. Jesus sent his disciples out on a mission, and this is what he said to them. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Freely God has given to you. Freely give what God is empowering you to do. Now, Matthew 10, 8. Freely we have received in John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. Dickie's already said, he gave his son for us, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, not die, but have everlasting life. Then in John, 1 John, John would write in his first letter, he would say, this is how we have come, this is chapter 3, verse 16, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What does that look like? Verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Remember what I said? Love does. Love is, love is the, the wellspring. It's the wellspring from which all other character qualities flow. Generosity flows out of loved love. So I know I've overwhelmed you this morning. I've overwhelmed you, I'm sure, with all that God has to say about generosity. But my goal in doing this this morning is I hope that your heart is being stirred and you're saying, God, I want to grow in generosity. I want to be a more generous person. I want these things to be true of me. I want to grow in this. And so I am committed in these talks on Sunday morning to give us some practical ways to do that. So here we're going to get practical. Okay, here we go. Number one. Here's my practical. Let's start by asking God to help us be generous and to help us grow in generosity. We said last week that everything starts with a decision. So if you're going to be a person of integrity, you have to decide, I'm going to grow and I'm going to, I'm going to grow in truthfulness. I'm going to change and I'm going to be more truthful than I am. It begins with the decision. This is just another way of saying the same thing, but I think maybe I'm backing it up a step more and saying, start by asking God, I want to be generous. I want to be generous. And it begins with the decision and saying, God, please help me. And then it's followed up by a plethora of consequential and continual decisions after that. In other words, if I'm going to be a man of integrity, I can't just say I want to be a man of integrity today. I've got to say it again tomorrow morning, and then, and then the following morning, and then the following morning. I've got to say it every day when I wake up. God, I want to be a man of integrity. And the same thing with generosity. God, I want to be a generous person. And then tomorrow, I need to wake up and say, God, I want to be a generous person. Tomorrow, God, I want to be, a gener I want to be more generous. And so it begins, here, here's my, how do we do this? How do we grow? Let's start praying that God would make us more generous than we are. Or if we're not generous at all, God, make us generous. Make us generous. Ask God when you're praying, ask God to help you do this. Help, ask God to help you see how your generosity is just a piece of God's greater kingdom generosity. Remember I said a minute ago that generous people recognize that it's, they're not alone, that they're, they're, they're a part of a great horde, 
if I can use that word, is that the right word? A great horde of people? <laughs> that sounds bad. A great number of people, right, who are generous. And together in their generosity, they change the world. Ask God to help you see yourself as a part of, of that. Number two, consider increasing your giving, whether money, time, or talents, beyond mere convenience into the realm of, of uh, sacrifice. So how we grow it? How do we grow our generosity? Well, think about, contemplate giving from just, not just out of your surplus, but giving from sacrifice, from, from actually dipping into what might cost you. This is that Gabil, that Lebanese American writer. That's what he was saying. You know, it's not just you giving me what I need. It's you giving me out of what you need, right? It's out of sacrifice, so I would encourage us in our generosity to begin to asking God, God, help me give beyond what's just the overflow that I have. Number three, if you are not generous systematically, let me encourage you to start being so. Again, I'm trying to help us grow. If you're not giving uh, systematically, let me encourage you to start doing that. You say, well, what do you mean? I don't understand what that means. What I mean is determine what would you give from your resources, whether it's time. I guess I'm referring more mainly financial here, but I guess it could be time as well. Consider giving systematically and saying, I am going to give one morning a week or one morning a month or one day a month towards, towards serving others in generosity, or financially, and I guess I had this more in mind than anything, but you know, consider of the things that I have, what am I going to give and, and choose to do so from the very beginning? So I can illustrate. For those of you that are our guests, and maybe some of you that are part of our church family don't even know this, but, but we give 15% just off the top. Whatever, whatever our church family gives to the support of our family, we take 15% of it and we give it away. We give it towards the poor, we give it towards mission, we give it towards all kinds of, of things, but we give much more than 15%, but systematically, we start there. We start there. We say, well, that's easy for a church to do. No, it's not always easy for a church to do that either. But I want to encourage you to choose systematically to say, I'm going to give, you know, I'm not telling you where to give. I'm just talking about systematically say, God, I'm going to give. Ann and I do that. We systematically have chosen a number that we give. So off the top, that's where we, we start our giving, but we give more than that. Now, I, I imagine that uh, most of you in this room are already giving systematically. So let me, let me go on to four. This is my fourth practical challenge for us this week to grow in, uh, in generosity. And here, here would be my fourth challenge. If you are giving systematically... You know, whatever percentage that, of your income that you're giving now towards helping the poor and however you're trying, however you're dispersing it to, to serve others, make it, listen, listen, make it a lifelong plan to bump up that percentage every time you can. And notice I didn't just say bump it up one time. Make it a lifelong ambition to raise that number. Now that's what, uh, you know, not all of us are going to be R.G. Letourneau. Not all of us are going to have hundreds and hundreds of patents that bring us thousands and thousands of dollars. I get that, right? But all of us can be trying to stretch ourselves in our giving. And that's what I'm asking us to do. Hey, where, where, where can, how can I give more? You know, John Wesley, the preacher, John Wesley, you know, he did the same thing as R.G. Letourneau. Probably R.G. Letourneau got it from Wesley. 
I don't know. But you remember the story. John Wesley started off living on 90% and keeping and giving away 10. And then by the time his life was over, he was living on 10% of his income and giving 90% of it in generous causes. So, hey, that's my challenge to those of us that already give systematically. To those that are, that are not giving that way, I'd encourage you to start there. To those of us that are, I'd say, hey, make it a lifelong ambition to be changing that number, to seeing if we can't, we can't give more away than, uh, than we live on. So I'd encourage you to go home, pray about that, ask God if that might be a way you can grow in generosity. Number five, keep, and there's not 10 of these, <laughs> keep your mind open about how you might be generous to others this week. So we want to grow in generosity. So I guess what I'm, looking, what I'm asking you to do here is just look for places to be generous. So Love does, and generosity, I think they're identical twins. And I, and I, think, I think Jamie's story, unplanned, is an illustration of that. Love does. But that was also generosity in action. So you see, I, I guess what I'm trying to say to you this morning, even as I've been challenging you and challenging me, excuse me, challenging us to, to love does, love's a verb, keep your eyes open how you can love people this way, this week. Keep your eyes open how you can be generous towards others this week. And then number six, and finally, remember, remember, remember the words of Jesus. Here's the words of Jesus. Don't forget them. You know them. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So give, give this week. So I'm going to close with the story. Send, send us out on a story. Alan Barnhart uh, is an American businessman who uh, runs a business today valued at over $250 million. And when he was in the university and pouring over the teaching of Jesus, he was struck by Jesus' call to generosity and his warnings about wealth. And so he determined that when he went into business one day, he was going to make sure that, uh, that he did not allow money to become a place where he trips up and, and fails spiritually. So when he and his brother took over their small family business called Barnhart Crane and Rigging, they set incomes for themselves in their business that they would live on. It was a modest, middle-class lifestyle, and they agreed that that was what they would live on and that they, any more the company made, that instead of increasing their salaries commensurate with what they made, that they would in turn give away uh, the extra. In their first year of business, they were able to give $50,000. In their second year of business, they gave $150,000. In 2005, they were giving away, listen, $1 million a month. And they had placed 99% of their ownership of their company in a trust so that they would ensure that after they were finished, the company would continue to do what they had established it to do. I went in with this last thought. Alan doesn't regret the decision to limit his income. He and his wife and his children have been able to visit the projects they support and see the impact of their giving on people's lives. But here's Alan's final statement. He says, giving is fun. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a generous God. 
Thank you for being a God who gives, Lord, who gives every good and perfect gift to, to us is, is from your good and generous heart. Lord, the seasons that we're in, the beauty of this world in which we live, all of it is just part of your generosity uh, towards us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we just pray that, God, we would grow in generosity. Help us, Lord, from the challenges that we've found in your word over and over and over again. I pray that you would, you would help us grow in generosity this week. Lord, show us how to be benevolent. Show us how to use the resources of our, of our time, our talent, and our treasures. Show us how to use those in such a way as to bless others in your name. That the kingdom of God may be extended, that people might come to know you for who you are. And I pray this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.